Okay, guys, come on. You got to clap louder than that. That's a great way to start a Sunday afternoon. Thank you, Whitney. These guys sound great. Uh, so, good morning. Good morning. Hi, I'm Kim. I'm part of the Orient Campus team here, and we are thrilled you are with us um, on this snowy, snowy December day in the afternoon. I keep wanting to say morning, but it is 12:15. It is actually afternoon now. Um, but first and foremost, I want to welcome and invite any of you who are maybe this is your first time here, or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and you haven't really chatted with anybody or had a conversation with anybody. We would love to meet you. So we have a place for that. It's called Starting Point. It takes place out in our lobby. Uh, you're going to see folks out there in orange shirts, um, and it says starting point, and that's where we want you to begin your journey here at Kensington. So they would love to chat with you, have a conversation, get to know you, get a little information from you, and let you leave today with a little gift um, so you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and maybe making a next step around this place. So that is where we would love to meet you later today. Um, and then another thing we've got going on is you got this awesome book when you came in today. Uh, this is an awesome snapshot of everything that's been going on around Kensington for the last year. So whether you're new or you've been with us for a while, um, please take a look at this and see all the different ways that you guys have made an impact in this past year uh, through all the different resources that Kensington pours into. Um, after we talk about that today, um, another thing we have coming up we have an alpha course. I know right now it's probably really hard to think past Christmas. Uh, two weeks from today, Christmas Eve, kind of crazy. But starting in January, we're going to be kicking off another alpha course here at uh, Kensington Orient. It takes place on Monday nights. Uh, but before I say too much more, I'd love for you to check out this video. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion. This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. Every week, there are guests coming for the first time to an Alpha in their community. Alpha is for everyone, regardless of background or beliefs. There's no pressure, no follow-up, and it's completely free to attend. Come and explore life's big questions. Find an Alpha near you today. So that is Alpha, and it is going to be kicking off here at the Orion campus. It meets on Monday nights. It'll be happening mid-January is when that's going to launch. And we're doing something cool this winter, too. We are doing an alpha for teens. So if you are a teenager or you have a teenager who you feel like this might be a place for them to plug in and have some questions answered, uh, we would love to chat chat with you. Uh, Charlotte Kelly, who is our discipleship director, is in the lobby. She has a table uh, with more information about Alpha. You can sign up out there. You can jump on the website and register there or on the Kensington app. Um, and again, I know it's hard to think past Christmas right now, but this is an awesome way to be intentional as you head into the new year in January and really do something uh, for yourself and also plug into community here at Kensington, which is an awesome way to do that. So as I said, two weeks, Christmas Eve, right here. Kensington has 51 Christmas Eve services. And uh, no, not all of them are taking place right here in this building. Um, between all of our eight campuses, we will have 51 services, 10 of which will take place right here between the 22nd through the 24th. And we'd love for you to come and join us. And uh, we're doing Christmas kind of with a twist. So take a look at this promo.
He said it's in the town of David. It shouldn't be much further. We need to keep following the star. It appears to have stopped over in that direction. Come this way. It'd be very quiet. Mary's very tired. You're hungry. The chili's been cooking all day. Did you bring the spices? I bring red pepper flakes, cayenne pepper, and cumin. We come bearing the gift of unleavened cornbread. Yes. Oh, yes. So, so did you put beans in it this time? I did. Okay. We'll send you out. Okay, you guys can laugh at that. That's funny. That is funny. So what is that all about? What are we going to be doing at Christmas this year? We are really this year looking at Christmas from a little different perspective. What would it be like if Jesus never came? What would the 25th mean? Would it just be another day? So we're really diving into what it looks like in our world, all the impact that Jesus has made um, across our nation, across the globe, and what would December 25th look like if he had never came? And thankfully, he did. Um, So that's what Christmas Eve is going to be all about this year. Obviously, with all the fun and the candle lighting, whether you come on the 22nd, 23rd, or 24th, you will see the exact same service. Um, But what we do need for you to do is get online, download your Christmas tickets. Um, Tickets are free, but we love to know when people are coming so we can plan accordingly to be prepared for all of you when you come. And who are you bringing with you this year? Who do you want sitting in that seat next to you as you invite them in to be a part of this place and also to see who Jesus could be to them this holiday season? So as we dive into that, don't forget on your way out, we also have these awesome invites, which are a great way to be inviting people to come with you for Christmas. Make sure you already have their ticket when you invite them to join you. Um, but that's another great way. So we have Ryan Morrill with us today. He is our family minister here, and he is going to be giving us the message, and we are doing the heart of Christmas. He's speaking on peace. We want to let you know that there's a little bit of controversial content um, in one of the videos that we're going to be seeing. So as we stand up and greet each other, if you do have a child 10 or under, you may want to take the opportunity to walk them out into the lobby during that video and then come back in and join us. We just wanted to give you a heads up on that. But stand up, greet one another, and then Ryan's going to come up and share with us. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas. Good afternoon. As Kimberly said, my name is Ryan Morrill. Uh, thrilled to be with you here today uh, as we are, like I said, kind of journeying two weeks towards Christmas. And uh, in this series, we're talking about just different components of, of the, the, the story of Christmas, what's the heart of Christmas for Jesus. And last week, if you were here, uh, Kaleo Kids performed all of the, the fun and joyous things that they brought to the stage. And the message was about joy, that Jesus brought joy to this world which is spectacular. And today we get to talk about peace, which um, we'd like to think that's offered in Amazon Prime free shipping, but there's other peace and even a greater peace that uh, can be brought to us in this world today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to journey to the other side of the world for a few minutes here, um, to the war-torn and ravaged country of South Sudan, which is one of our church partners And uh, you will see and hear from a man named Ruben, who uh, you've probably seen and heard from before if you've been here, uh, who's going to just share his heart and his his desire to bring the light and the peace of Jesus into this country. Um, And uh, as you watch this, what I ask you to think about is uh, to realize that even though that it's a very different culture, it's a very different situation— Uh, than we live here in the Western world. Um, I hope you realize that there are learnings and there are takeaways, and I think it'll be pretty obvious um, as Jesus is entering into their chaos and bringing peace to the world. So watch this for the next few minutes, and then uh, we'll be back up to talk about it. Has there ever been a time in history where we are more immediately inundated with news that tends to bring us to despair or to give up hope? Do you realize that when you invest in a year-end Christmas gift at Kensington, that the opposite is true? That you're actually seeing hope and joy and love 
and peace come to the world. We're seeing that in so many countries in the world, explosive church planting movements. And probably none is more amazing or more miraculous than what is happening in the new country of South Sudan. Ruben Mariakal, our partner, and his friends in South Sudan are putting their life on the line each day. They literally don't know from day to day if they're going to live or die. But in the midst of this, overwhelming peace is coming to the world. And so today, as you watch this amazing story of this unlikely hero, a man named Nicodemus, realize that you and I get to be a part of something that is so unlikely and so amazing. When you give, we get to be a part of what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. country, peace is rare. People are so used to fighting that many have given up hope that things can change. But God says, blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes those that bring peace are the ones that no one expects. Sudan, the newest country in the world, and it's located in East Central Africa. And this whole region has been in conflict and ravaged by war in the past 60 years. And actually, it's not getting better. It's getting a whole lot worse. In fact, the compound that we're staying in just a few weeks ago had a bunch of rebels that had come through with guns and threatening violence, and everyone there just did not know what was going to happen. Fueled by racism, political strife, religious persecution, the price of the conflict has been very high. There's actual active landmines just a few feet away from where children are playing. Everyone here lives in a state of uncertainty, not knowing what tomorrow will hold. They all live in fear and long for peace. When you see a man having uh, marks on the head or the shoulder, that one uh, means the number of the people that a person has killed during the war. And then when you see the women, you see some women are having marks, that one also shows the husband of the woman has killed many men. They share that glory in the, in, in the name of husband. So she acts like the husband is a hero. My testimony is about my sister's son. The child grew at my home for more than 10 years. When he was making the 12th year, the child was taken back to the village. He was transferred to the cattle camp. When he reached the cattle camp, they went to the field where the cows are grazing. Then another tribe that used to attack the Toposa tribe called Boya came and raided the cows. And then on the process of raiding, the child was caught by a group of more than 10 men. They used a knife, then they slaughtered the boy. The people took me there using a motorbike to the place where the child 
was killed. So I went and I saw the body of the child lying on the ground. One hand was cut, and then the other hand also was cut. The leg was cut. The head is far away from the body. I was not happy. I became very hungry. So I buried the boy, and then I came back to the village. So I wanted to take one gun to follow the men where they have gone. My aim was to go and clear them all. As you see this mark on my face, these three men have killed three people and I, I was used to it. What was in my body, in my heart, was only to have a revenge. I was only aiming for a revenge. Then one gun which was left in the village was hidden somewhere because they knew that I loved the boy and my aim was if I am to get a gun, I was going to clear even 50 men in that place. So I grew very annoyed in which I was even almost hung myself when the people went and uh, hide the gun. The only way was to go and hang myself, but the people went and advised me. Tormented by the death of his nephew and unable to find his gun, Nicodemus reached a level of despair that led him into considering taking his own life. It was while searching for a weapon in a nearby village that he ran into Reuben Mariacal, who would eventually become his mentor and spiritual advisor. The life that Nicodemus had before getting Christ, is, his aim was to be the, the hero of the village. And being a hero is to raid as many tribes, uh, the surrounding tribes as possible, is to kill as many people as possible. But once he encountered Christ, there was a radical change in his heart. Other people went and advised me until they brought me back to Kapueta here, whereby I met with Pastor Ruben and then with other believers. They had to advise me and say, that is not the way. Try to have peace in your heart. So I went and I stayed for more than 20 days until I forgive those people. Christ replaced this problem in me. I had to have peace again. As I am now, I'm going always to the church. I am also advising others who have the same grievances like the way I used to have. So I see Nicodemus, and he no longer views the other tribes as enemies. He views them as objects of the grace of Christ, and they're candidates of heaven. And that's why he has now the desire to, to reach out to the other villages as his friends. Since his encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus has been radically transformed. Under Reuben's guidance, he now plants churches in the very fields where the Taposa, Dinga, and other neighboring tribes have violently clashed for centuries. Armed with nothing more than the gospel and a motorcycle, he brings peace to a region that many believed impossible to reach. So we have two communities in our location here. So we have uh, the Dedinga community and then the Topoza community. These two communities are very hostile to each other. So when we planted a church here, the Topoza and the Dedinga were able to meet together. So what they did, they helped reconcile those who accepted Christ. They were able to meet together and then they worshiped together. They became one. But in other areas whereby the church is not planted, the war still continues. Many blood is being shed every time. But we saw, really, a church can bring peace in a community. The mission of our ministry is letting the light occupy the land. And we see darkness manifesting itself in different forms. The greatest is spiritual darkness. Uh, there is intellectual darkness, there is darkness of hatred and uh, violence, there is socio-economic darkness. And we see as we are in this land, our ministry is 
to become hands and feet of Jesus and shine the light and let the light occupy the land. I see Nicodemus maybe finding his fellow warriors in the other village as friends. Even his friends who are raiders, they were ten in number. His gang of ten men and six of them he has evangelized and they have come to Christ. When all these guys who are warriors come, they, they, they are now warriors for Christ. They are not taking the spears but they, and guns, they are taking the gospel to the, to the next tribes. I see this hope and I can see changes will be here in years to come. Jesus means everything to me. In the first place, I was lost. Uh, I was a sinner. I was a killer. I was robbing. I used to do many things which are not right. But when Christ came into my heart, I have now hope of being with the Lord. I think when Christ is taken out of the equation, there's no hope in this country. I mean, governments can come with policies, but that cannot transform the hearts of people. It takes only the power of Christ to transform the hearts of people. If it's just empty philanthropy, helping people and doing that, there could never be hope. But when we are preaching Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. I'm sure ultimately the Prince of Peace will be able to bring peace to this country, so there is hope. you come in here today with a lot on your mind, right? Um, burdens, weights, worries, anxieties, busy schedules, to-do lists. Um, maybe you're lacking peace. I'm sure many in this room uh, just need a day off, right? Um, brings perspective to each of us. When you see and hear the story of Nicodemus, um, I don't know. I don't know if you relate to it, if you can find the commonality in it, because on the surface, our, our, our worlds are so completely different. We don't, we don't live in a, in a landscape like that. Um, but if you get down to the heart and the core of it, we do share probably the, the greatest bond all of humanity has, which is brokenness and the broken condition of the human heart. And it's wonderful to see the transformation in light of the circumstances, in light of his family's tragedy for this man. And I'm sure that you, tr you can translate that into your life, into your situation and circumstances. As I look at that, I am, I am humbled and I am continually blown away um, and why I'm thrilled to be a part of the journey of this place at Kensington because what we do here is, is we continually get outside of our world. We get outside of this building. We get outside of um, Southeast Michigan. We get outside of the United States. Um, and we, we show the world. And we, we, we want to be with the world. Um, because my nature, and I think each of our desires, is to shrink, shrink our world into something manageable. And, and our nature is to, to view it just through our lens and our vision and, and, and make it doable for us. And so instead of thinking big, we just think, what do I have to do? What's, what's in this for me right now? And I love Steve Andrews, who you saw at the beginning of the video, and Don Anderson, our global, our global missions um, director, just their heart to say, 
This world is our world. They are our neighbors. And to see Jesus moving on the clear other side in a country you could never imagine seeing, how does that impact us? And we are in partnership with them. And as you came in today, you, you were given this. You were, you were given this as, as a way just to reflect upon um, what has taken place in the world um, for us here at Kensington over the last year. And you can see South Sudan in there. You see other countries, Kenya, Israel, uh, Palestine, Cuba, India, even in Pontiac. And you can see things that are happening. And if you added it all up, did somebody did a little bit of math, just how things are going and, and tribes and peoples and, um, 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 and the impact that's coming out, not only from financial giving, but also people who are willing to serve as well. And we're seeing nearly half a million people, 500,000 people that are impacted by you, by your partnership here with us. Even just sitting here today and letting the Holy Spirit move in your heart, you're in partnership with us right now. And many of you have given to what is taking place here, and, uh, and we thank you so much for that. And, and just we want to say, too, that it is in this season, the last six, uh, six weeks of the year, really four to six weeks of the year, that nearly 20 to 25 percent of our annual income uh, comes in for all of Kensington. And what that does is it doesn't stay here. It's not about this building or this place. It's about going out and sharing the peace of Christ with the rest of the world. And so as you are here today thinking about how are you going to give your money, and if you can give your money, um, we ask that you think about giving it to Kensington. Um, Not selfishly, but unselfishly, because we want to see what this is going to do to spreading the hope to everyone possible in the world. And you can flip through this. You can find something in here, I'm sure, that connects to you. For me, I'm about the next generation. I'm about young people. That's what 25 years of my life has been about um, here at Kensington, even in college as well. And I love our vision and our hope for young people back in our kids area right now, for our students and teenagers tonight. Uh, What takes place um, with our school partners as well, as you saw those kids up here last weekend um, performing for us. They actually went to a Pontiac school just Friday afternoon. I got to be a part of it, and they performed. And there was this partnership. There's this sense in the Pontiac School District that, you know what, we are in this together. We want to bring the hope and the light of Jesus there as well. And so I hope that, and I know that there's something in here that you would connect with too. And so we ask you to do this. Um, the uh, uh, ushers are going to come forward right now. They're going to do, uh, do our offering. And you are welcome to give right now if you're visiting. I brought a friend with me on Wednesday night who was blown away um, and was moved so much by just the service and the experience that, that she, she felt so led to give. It was wonderful. I was literally like, no, 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 no. This moment's not for you. You can put that away. This is when visitors come. It's not, it's not a moment for them. But she's like, no, I'm, I'm blessed by this thank you so much, and she wanted to give. And if you're visiting, it's not necessarily for you, but if you want to, you, you want to impact the world, you're moved by what you just saw in the life of Nicodemus, then, then we thank you for that as well. The other thing I want to point out is up here on the screen, we have four different ways. One of those you're seeing right now, which is the offering coming by. We also have our app, which you can give as well. Really easy to download the Kensington app, um, available on iTunes and Android. Next one is website, piece of cake there as well, going to kensingtonchurch.org. And the last one is you can text And that is so super easy. You simply text to 77977 and a link will be given to you and you can make a gift as well. But thank you so much. We are all, I know that there are so many options and my wife and I actually, we are, we are, we, we give monthly. We also give uh, to the general fund here. We give for the everyone campaign and we are wrestling with, we're asking the question ourselves, what is God calling us to? Because we see the impact, seeing our world and our vision for the world grow as well. What is God calling us to give in this season as well as a year end gift? So Thank you for being on journey with us. Um, um, It is greatly appreciated, and God is doing great, great things with it. So today we are talking about this subject of peace, and we saw it demonstrated in the lives um, of of Reuben and uh, specifically Nicodemus as well. And when you think about the country of South Sudan and you you start to see peace entering into the situation there, it is only through one, one thing, and that is through the power of Jesus Christ transforming the hearts of people that that is happening. Money has been attempted. They've tried to put lots of money into that country. But uh, I think Ruben said it too, when there's, when there's not a giving spirit, when you don't see a heart, you know, it's empty philanthropy, I think is what he said. When it's that, then, then nothing changes. In fact, one country built a multi-million dollar hospital, medical facility that stands abandoned today, absolutely, totally vacant. Uh, it's a blight on the land. It's used just for probably shelter um, for people as they're passing through. Um, so it's not being used for the intended purpose because there wasn't a transformation of the heart. And he said this too, politics isn't working because hearts aren't changing. And of course, violence and power aren't working as well.
as well. But it only comes in the form um, of a tiny, powerless, broken, non-political child who entered into the world 2,000 years ago and whose birth date we celebrate at this time of year. It's by having a relationship with him. And when you think about the peace that is talked about by that child as he grew up 30 years later um, in the Bible, in the Gospels, um, it takes on a whole different meaning and a whole entire different weight um, to someone in the South Sudan who hears that message of peace than those of us that live in, in, in the Western world. Because when we hear the concept of peace, we, we have our own definitions, whether it's personal or it's political, or it's, it's peace between nations, whatever that is. But when you're in it every single day, it takes on, there's a whole new weight that comes from it. And so Jesus talking to his disciples and he, uh, in the book of John, in uh, first, century, first century Jerusalem, um, he's sharing with them that they're going to have troubles ahead, that they are going to have many sorrows. There's going to be a lot of hardship for them. One of those sorrows is Jesus is about to leave, but the Holy Spirit is going to come in and be with them. And this is what he says in John 16, He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I love how he says, so that in me, you may have peace, peace. It's like it's a, it's a foundational need. It's an innate need that each and every single one of us has. I believe that we are born in a condition where we want peace. We really want peace at the core of our being. We, we can enter into chaos. We can enter into um, tension for a period of time, but we can't stay in it forever. Our body even needs just peace and rest on a daily basis, doesn't it? Well, our soul Uh, is no different than that as well. It requires peace as well. So he's speaking to a base need that people in first century Jerusalem have, people in South Sudan have, and that those of us in the Western world have as well. Then he goes on to say this, that I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. The Prince of Peace has overcome the pain and the chaos and the fear in the infliction that is taking place in South Sudan. He is overcoming that. And you can imagine how in hearing that, the beauty of that, it's offering something that they could never even imagine. To hear that is something that they would love to grab hold of. In fact, um, when Jesus is speaking to the first, to, uh, to the first century uh, uh, citizens, to those disciples that lived in Jerusalem, um, I believe that they have more in common with South Sudan, and the Sudan, South Sudan has more in common with them than we in the Western world can really truly understand. Again, we live in a very safe for the most part, protected land. And we don't, we don't leave our houses every day feeling insecure, really. We don't question if we're going to make it through the day. That's not a question that usually enters into most of our heads. At least it doesn't stick there for very long. But here it's a whole different, in South Sudan, it's a whole different um, uh, a mode of operation. And the same thing for first century uh, Jerusalem as well. Because what that was in first century Jerusalem, it was an occupied land. The Roman government had just moved in and it was war-torn and ravaged. And, and there was literally fear and anxiety lurking around every corner for citizens because they didn't know. They didn't know what their future had. They didn't know if they would live through this occupation as well, as occupations usually don't go well for the people that, are, uh, that were leaving there, living there pre- previously. And so their world is filled with anxiety, and, and I would guarantee and bet that they were filled with worry on a daily basis. That's what life is like for them. And we saw what worry and fear looked like for South Sudan. Worry for us? Well, it's a little different, at least for me. I'm worried about the bills, right? How am I going to pay for things, especially this month? We as a family took our annual track up to Birch Run and Frankenmuth on Friday night, which is like, you know, Vegas meets Bethlehem in Frankenmuth. That's what goes on there. And, uh, and as we stopped at these two locations, literally there was this hemorrhaging of cash going out, you know, as the credit cards getting swiped and there were things picked up at the, the, the outlet mall. And, 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 and then we go into Frankenmuth and Bronner's, right? And we have Christmas ornaments that I don't even understand why we have these ornaments, but they're going to be on our tree. I think they're already on there. And that's, that's one thing. How am I going to pay for that? I'm worried about my children and their future. 
And how are they doing in school? How is their heart growing? I'm worried about my wife. How is she doing working full-time, trying to balance being a, uh, an employee and also being a mother and being a wife and, and her physical health as well? I'm worried about my kids' supposed needs versus their wants, right? They have, they, have, they have needs, but then there's these wants that they have is they want to buy $250 Michael Jordan tennis shoes, right? That's not necessarily a need. That's a want. And plus, their foot's going to grow an inch in a month, and those shoes are going to be totally irrelevant. Why am I going to spend the money on that? And then there's that, 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 that worry and that desire I have to have the perfect house, right? I want it to look so good. And for the last three, maybe four weeks, I have on a regular basis gone out into my yard and I have raked almost every single leaf that I can find. In fact, I have piled up 60 bags of leaves over the course of four weeks, 60 of those lawn and garden lawn bags that you get, and I have packed them full. And I have to like, literally, it's like backbreaking to carry those things to my curb. 60 bags of those. And this last Monday, my day off, because, you know, we're work all day Sunday here. I go out and I think, this is it. I'm going to clean up. It's going to be immaculate. It's going to be absolutely perfect. So I go out with the rake, with the leaf brewer. And six hours later, I've filled three bags, but I have literally gone through it with a fine tooth comb. There is not a leaf anywhere in the yard. It looks perfect. I think people driving by are just respecting me and admiring me so much. Just thinking, man, what a great guy he is, you know? Want to submit a picture to Better Home and Garden magazine of the front yard. And then on Tuesday right? The gale force western, westward wind blew in, and the guy across the street who never does his leaves, never does anything with them, every single leaf in his yard blows into my yard, and I have more leaves on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning than I had on Monday when I started. I was like, forget it. I'm done. I'm out. So I got leaves on my yard for the next six months. It's not, not doing anything else with it. But these are first world problems, aren't they? My worries are not like their worries. They truly understand the word trouble as it talked about in the scripture in John that we just read, as it refers to in the scripture. And to hear that someone has overcome all of this chaos and all of this bloodshed and all of this fear is so appealing and absolutely beautiful and it's contagious in its spirit. And when you think about uh, if you have nothing in your hands, if you don't have a lot going on, if there's not a lot of hope out there for you, and suddenly peace, which is probably the biggest desire you have in the world, is offered to you, you're going to grab hold of that. Why? Because there's nothing else you can grab hold to. But in our world, in our lives, think about how many things we've got piled on. Good and bad. But we have this whole pile. We're all juggling so many things in our world, especially in this season as we come here. And when the peace of Jesus is offered to us, our hands are so full that we, we almost, it's like, it's, and it's almost impossible for us to just let all of these things drop and grab hold of it. That's a beautiful example, a beautiful thing that we see with Nicodemus, who has nothing else to grab hold of. Another passage that we read about in Scripture, written 600 years before the coming of Christ, by Isaiah, a prophet. People wonder, who is this Jesus? Could he, was he really who he was? People saw the 600 years before he even came and put it into words. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 9-6, and we hear this in a song, right? We hear this in, in a Christmas song at this time of year. It's beautiful, it's beautiful, beautiful poetry. He says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government— will be on his shoulders. Big thing right there. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, what is it? Famous Amy Grant song, right? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and what? Prince of peace, right? Beautiful, beautiful description of who this baby was. And I've heard for years, decades now, the government will be on his shoulders and never really thought about that. But the government being placed on someone's shoulders, literally there's an image of like a scepter going across um, the shoulders of, of a high ruling official, the highest ranking official, meaning they are in charge. They are the supreme authority. And what this is saying is he's in charge of everything. And when you hear these phrases, he is the king of kings, right? We all hear that. And he is the Lord of lords. He is the ruler. He is the boss's boss. And if that is true, and if that is the case, then we can place our trust in him, and we can place our hope in him, and believe that he 
is the one who has the hope and the peace that we so much desire and long for in this world. Jesus is the only answer. He is the only solution for South Sudan. He does a transforming work in the hearts of the people. One person, one tribe, one community, and hopefully one nation at a time. And there's a ripple effect from it. He is the solution for South Sudan. He was the solution for the first century, Jerusalem. The question is, is he the solution for us here today? Because we have lots of solutions, right? We have lots of things. We have new programs that we think, okay, if I just do that, then, then everything is going to get in line. If I just believe that, right? Or if I, if, I, if I do this physical regimen, if I eat this or exercise in this way, then you know what? Things are just going to get a whole lot better. People think, if I just had this job, if I just had a different job, if I just had that income, well, then peace would enter in. Life would be so much better. And it happens all the time we see this. People think, if I just had that relationship— If I just had that person in my life, then I would have the peace that I so desperately long for. And especially in this season with the younger people in the room, a lot of times it's like, if I just had that possession, if I just had that one thing, and the the, the toys get bigger as we get older, doesn't it? If I just had this thing, and so many, and we all know as parents, you know that at noon on Christmas Day, it's over, and it's gone. And how long is that joy and peace going to last uh, 20 years ago, um, and I still to this day, I'm, I, I am probably one of the biggest fans of a band called Vertical Horizon. Anybody hear of the band Vertical Horizon out there? Any hands at all? Great. Thank you so much. They had a hit, Everything You Want, a couple years ago. I knew them before they were big. I could always say that, right? I'd actually gone and met them and um, followed them around, and I just loved this band. And, uh, and it was neat when they had a number one hit in 1999, I think it was. But I had collected all of their music except one. One uh, compact disc or one album that was, was out there. It was their first one that was ever released. And I, uh, I was on the search for many years trying to find this album. This was pre-Amazon days, pre-digital download days. You had to go into record stores, right? Which I hope everybody knows what a record store is in here. Some people don't. But you had to go into a record store and you had to flip through music. And you know, you, you'd see all these, you know, in the pop section. And you'd have the A, B, those little tabs. And you'd flip through. And whenever I was near a record store, just as a fun thing, I'd just go in and start flipping through it. I'd just start looking around. And every time I'd be like, oh, bummer, it's not here. But it was okay because it was fun. I had like, this was one of the small little purposes for me to find this album in the world, this there and back again album. And then one day, my wife and I, we had just, uh, I think we were about to get married. We went to Great Lakes Crossing, which um, my allergy to shopping was um, in, in effect at that point in life. And so I'm not having a good time. And I thought, I see the record store. It's like, you know, and I go into the record store and I just start looking and there it is. I get to the V's and there's like Velvet Underground and Van Halen. And all of a sudden, oh, there's a tab. There's something that says Vertical Horizon and I flip it back. You guys all know how it goes. And there is the CD. They have my CD. The search is over. And I go up to the front counter. I plunk down my 13, 14, $15, whatever it is. I get home. I unwrap it. I put it in the CD player. I sit and I listen to it all the way through. And at the end of it, I am so disappointed. (laughs) Not because the music is really that bad, but because the search is over. What am I going to be looking for as I go to malls now and in stores? This was something that fired me up. It was something fun that I did. We all long for something that brings us to the core of what we most desperately want. And it's usually not in the form of CD, but it's something much bigger that we look for. And when you think about the chaos that exists in our world, we long for peace in that chaos. Just this last fall, we see what happens in Vegas late one night. We turn on the news a few weeks ago, and we see what takes place in Egypt in a mosque, right? And we think, I don't even feel safe going out in public necessarily anymore. I don't feel peace in that. You think about homes in our community, maybe even your home, and you wish and long for these people who should and you want to so desperately love each other, but there is strife and there's conflict and there's tension and you, you long for peace to enter into that situation. You long for peace at work where you could have promises and security so that you don't have to worry in the middle of the night, are things going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? We've all had that moment. And you long for your body to be okay. You long for your body to work right and to have peace when you go to the doctor and the result comes back and you hope you hear all clear. But every once in a while, there's a question mark. And sometimes 
it's bad news, which some of us in this room have had, myself included. Some of you don't know the story, but 10 years ago, this January, January 3rd, I was, uh, we were down at the Troy campus in a freak little accident. Um, I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but let's just say I'm a horrible dancer and I should never try to do flips. Um, I flipped and I landed on my head. And immediately uh, I felt tingling and numbness down the right side of my body. And come to find out a few hours later after being wheeled away in an ambulance that I had broken my C3 and my C4 vertebrae in my neck. And within a few days we found out that surgery was going to be needed, which had its own uncertainties as well. Percentage chance that that could actually result in paralysis too. And so chaos, all of a sudden out of nowhere. Christmas just happened. I've got young children. I'm still early on in my marriage. And and chaos just comes into it. And I've never broken a bone. I've never had high trauma in my family. My family's been, I've never experienced this. And all of a sudden, just a matter of a few minutes, a few, a, a second, everything changed. And, and as the surgeon gives me his recommendation, which is surgery to, to go into my neck and literally place rods millimeters away from nerve endings that if touched or, or hurt in any way will in, uh, end in total paralysis of the body. He's recommending that route. I'm starting to get all sorts of other opinions coming in from family members and friends and people around here who are giving me their thoughts and their advice too. And I go from um, thinking, well, that's what I'm going to do, to all of a sudden, a week or two later, right before the surgery, I have no peace. I am total anxiety. I can't sleep at all out of total and complete fear. And one day, as I'm wondering what, what I should do, who should I listen to? I pick up the phone and I call the doctor's office. And it's a practice of many surgeons. And I, I even, and the receptionist, I don't know who she was. She answers the phone. I said, I said, hi, um, I just want to know if I can talk to another physician or, or come in and see one as soon as possible. Um, I'm having surgery with so, Dr. So-and-so uh, in a couple of days. And I just want to get a second opinion. <laughs> and the receptionist looks at me and she goes, well, we're in practice together. And uh, we don't normally do that. Uh, these guys kind of get along and, and we're not going to really enter into that. I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, the waiting lists were everywhere for everywhere else. And uh, it was coming down to the wire. And she could, she could sense my tension and anxiety. And there was this long pause. There was this moment. And I, be- I believed in Jesus. I love Jesus. But there was so much going on. But all of a sudden in that moment on the phone, in this silence, it was like, God just hit me. You have those moments where it's like the light finally comes on and the peace of Christ just suddenly was revealed to me through the voice of this woman. And I have no idea who she is. She would never remember the conversation, but she also, she goes, Ryan, it's going to be okay. And for the next few days, I didn't even look back. I realized that God, the creator of the universe, has my neck and my vertebrae under control. He has my nerve endings figured out. He knows what's happening here. He has my life, my family's life, my future, and my past in his hands. And I think I can trust him because he's not only the king of kings. He's not, the Lord, he's not only the Lord of Lords. He is the ultimate spiritual surgeon in our lives. And despite whatever happens, he still has my heart and my soul and my mind in his hands. And peace entered in to my life at that moment in time. Peace I so desperately long for. The more I realize the struggles of what takes place in the South Sudan and what the struggles are that take place in first century Jerusalem and even our struggles today, though different in their context, there is one unifying part to all of it, the broken condition of the human heart, which is afraid, which is insecure, which is selfish and longs for more and thinks that there is better for them out there in other solutions. But Jesus is saying and calling to me and to you on a daily basis, it's me. It is in me alone, in Christ alone, that we have this hope and this peace that we so long for in this world. And I don't know where you're at today as you walk in here, what burdens you bring in. I'm sure there's, we all have them. There are small and there are big. And the small ones you can maybe pocket away, but we know that the big will come. 
And whatever you are bringing in here today, Jesus is longing for you to drop whatever's in your hands, to let that go and take hold of his peace as Nicodemus could so easily do. But you have to surrender for that to happen. And when we do that, when we surrender, a transformation takes place in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit as well. We read in Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all understanding, I can't even talk about it. I don't even know how to explain that. Surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love the image of having a guardian of having somebody who stands before me, of having someone when harm's way is coming towards me will literally jump in front of that. And whatever anxiety, whatever worry, whatever fear, whatever tension is bringing you down, whatever it is that is bogging your brain down in this season, he wants to stand in front of that. He just needs you to surrender to him. And when we do, the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, enters in. We sing right now one thing. One thing. There is only one thing. Okay, there's no program that you have to go through to surrender. There's no Bible study that you have to go through. There's no steps to reconciliation with this. It's one thing, and that is trusting and surrendering it all to Jesus. That's it, plain and simple. And so as we sing this, my hope is you stay and you enter into this moment. And if there is anything literally in your hands, give it up. Give it up. You know, don't be ashamed of it. Just give it up, small or big. Jesus wants it because he wants to be your peace right now. Nothing else will bring that. It's only found in him. Heavenly Father, thank you for being my Prince of Peace. Today, 10 years ago, in January, through every conflict in my marriage, through every tension and fear that I have for my children, for the insecurities that I have in my life, and the questions about my future and those I love. Lord, I lay those at your feet right now, and I trust you, and I surrender them to you, and I pray that I can take hold of you daily, hourly, minute by minute, knowing that you got this. You've got it. And there's nothing that I can do to take that away. Help us all believe, surrender,
this next song we're going to be uh, singing a few times this holiday season. So if you're not already, we'd love it if you just stay with us and just listen to the words. And if you want, sing along. That'd be great. form of a baby came to the earth to offer us love, which we talk about next week, joy last week, and peace today. Hope and prayer today as you walk out today seeking the Prince of Peace. If you came in here with burdens and worries and anxieties and fears and things you just need prayer about, we will have people up here um, in the front of the service or the front of the auditorium that would love to pray with you. And as you go, you'll get a card about Christmas Eve service. Be thinking who to invite and get your tickets. Make sure you get those before things fill up um, and have those reserved. Thanks so much. And we'll see you back here next weekend.